don't see problems, just see challenges to be solved and go through those challenges very quickly. Then you have a great project with quick implementation. Again, not everywhere you can have that because it's um, you know, not all the circumstances you can control. That's part of the game. Welcome to Smart in the City, the Bobble podcast. I am your host, Tamlin Shimizu, and really at Bobble, we aim to connect the players in the smart city industry with high quality information and ideas through our platform and services. This podcast is really an extension of this goal and mission to drive the change for a better urban life. Before we get started, I wanted to inform all you lovely listeners about a great opportunity. Babel has now opened applications for the Innovation Market Watch for 2023. So top smart city companies, you are invited to apply before the 29th of July. And of course, it's free to apply as well. So just follow the link in the show notes. Now on to the regular programming. So today is a very special episode of our podcast because we are celebrating Bobble's fifth birthday. Uh, Yeah, we were established five years ago and with the goal of helping cities to become smarter, more sustainable and livable. I wanted to really spend this day with some of my colleagues and also take the time to recognize just a handful of the projects we have been involved in and most importantly, our partners and of course, the cities themselves. So to introduce you to my wonderful colleagues, um, now we are going to start with a quick fire round of uh, introductions. So um, are you all ready? Yes. Yes. Ready. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Good. Um, so I will start with Shannon, who, uh, if you've been listening to us, you already know from the previous episode and you should be listening to us. Um, so uh, I will ask you three questions in a row. Um, the first question is, what is your name? Shannon Masika. Nice to see a you. A hard one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How long have you worked for Babel? Since January 2020. And what is your position? I am a smart cities consultant. Cool. And next I'm going to Nikita. Um, what is your name? Nikita Shet. And how long have you worked for Babel? For four and a half years. She had to think about that. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking five or four. <laughs> five um, years. I would, I would change that. Five years. <laughs> five years. And um, what is your position? Uh, I'm a senior consultant focusing on the UK and Irish market. Wonderful. And now I am going to Hector, who is in office with me here. Um, Hector, what is your name? My name is Hector Cañas. And how long have you worked for Babel? Two years and two weeks. What is your position? <laughs> um, I'm also a smart city consultant and business developer focusing in the Iberia market. Wonderful. Also, I love your precision with how long you've worked here. Um, so next, uh, finally, last but not least, of course, um, we have Alex here. So what is your name? My name, my full name is Alexander Schmidt. How long have you worked for Babel? Well, since the beginning and quite some months before that. What is your position? Well, on the title, it says CEO founder. But what I do is I support my colleagues in achieving their goals. 
Very nice. Very nice. Um, great. So I really, you know, feel grateful also to be part of this team. And now I'm looking forward to some stories. Um, now it's storytelling time, which is always a fun time. Um, so I want to ask uh, Shannon, um, what is one of your favorite projects and who was involved? So one of my favorite projects, also because it's currently one of our longest and I think most diverse projects, is SPARKS, um, one of our EU-funded projects that we're working in. SPARKS stands for Sustainable Energy, Positive, and Zero Carbon Communities. So we're really fortunate in that project to work with a really awesome network of partners, ranging from cities, um, the lighthouse cities, as well as the fellow cities all around Europe, as well as other partners from academia, uh, industry, who are helping to support um, really in accelerating and demonstrating the validity of various innovative solutions around energy systems. Wow. Um, and why is it your favorite? So I've really just enjoyed the diverse array of activities we've been able to support with and also getting to workshop directly with the cities on what their needs and challenges are throughout the process. So just for example, we had a series of trainings uh, with the various fellow cities focused on lots of different smart city topics. So ranging from the basics uh, around what you should be thinking about, with strategy and planning uh, for me personally. My background coming more from public health, uh, talking more about stakeholder engagement, and best practices around uh, involving communities, co-creation and design. And so that was a really exciting process, I think, you know, because I think as much as we were also, you know, teaching various concepts, we also learned quite a lot through the process. And so this idea of, you know, co-creating through the process as well that we're in the project is pretty exciting. Uh, and now we're at a stage where we're actually working with some of the cities to help them see their project development ideas come to life. And those are taking all sorts of various shapes and forms and the types of projects they're doing from e-mobility to being more focused on energy management systems. So it'll be exciting to see the results at the end of the project and also the results that have already happened so far. Yeah, that's I've, it's also one of my favorite projects. I talk about it a lot, I think. Um, but what would you say I think is the you think is the biggest challenge? Um, obviously, there's, you know, very impactful projects, but I think there's always a limit to the impact. And so we we don't want to just focus on, I guess, the the, the good things in the projects, but also what were the challenges? Well, so I guess you have two different kinds of challenges you could talk about here. I mean, you have project-related challenges and just the grand scale type challenges of doing this kind of work and implementation. Um, so within the scope of the project, you know, time, budget, those are going to be your major limitations. And I think that's the case for almost any project. Um, but, you know, particularly with wanting to be very focused and direct in what we're doing in the scale of an EU project and supporting cities with or the resources the cities themselves have to deal with, I think that's a challenge. Um, but also, you know, in terms of scope and focus, I mean, there's so many things in a perfect world you would want to do everything, but being able to prioritize, like what's going to be the most meaningful next step um, towards solving your most pressing challenge. So if you're trying to create a more connected city or uh, in the case of Sparks, um, you know, we're focusing specifically here on creating positive energy districts. So each city has different size, they have different populations. So trying to figure out both, you know, for them, what's going to work best. And then also, I think the challenge for us is helping them on that journey and figuring out what do they already have in place where, where does it make sense best in terms of going next. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, Nikita, do you have a, a favorite project that you want to talk about today? today? 
And it was very hard to actually think about um, what is my favorite project. So it was, uh, when Shannon was answering, I was going through all the projects I worked on to, to, to pick one. And um, I would love to talk about the project we worked with the city of Belfast uh, on. So it was uh, the development of the smart district at Belfast that we uh, did there. And uh, it was actually an 18, I think almost two years project that we did with them. It started off with supporting them in the development of the city deal work. So in formalizing the city deal um, activities that they were doing and then went ahead to actually um, develop, supporting them in the development of a roadmap for the smart district. And then I think a key part was actually founding the Innovation City Belfast partnership with the local innovation ecosystem. So um, it was a long journey that we went together with uh, the local stakeholders there, um, and not just centered in the city of Belfast, but also uh, with the neighboring councils of Belfast. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, also, quite a favorite project of mine to talk about as well. Um, so who was all involved? There were quite a lot of stakeholders involved in this project. Can you, I don't know, name name a few or um, talk about really how that collaboration aspect came into play? Yeah. So we worked primarily with the city innovation team at Belfast City Council, who was leading the, the digital aspects of the pillar. Um, and we worked uh, pretty much together with them as part of their team for the for the two years uh, of the project. Um, in addition to that, we, of course, had very strong support from the senior leadership at the Belfast City Council. So they were really instrumental in making sure that the project was successful. In addition, we worked very closely with the two university in uh, universities in Belfast, so the Queen's University and also the Ulster University, the Harbour. So the Belfast Harbour was a critical partner for the project, several um institutions in Belfast. In West Northern Ireland uh, was a key partner. Um, also the neighboring council. So we worked with six other councils surrounding Belfast who all became a key partner throughout the process. During the two years, we interviewed more than 200 um, organizations or 200 representatives in Belfast from different organizations across the quadruple helix. Um, and um, yeah, there were many different partners. In addition to the partners within the local innovation ecosystem, we also worked very closely with Fraunhofer and with IPO, uh, the BrainPod Smart District um, um, initiative, to really support Belfast in this process with the knowledge and experience they bought from, uh, from the projects and activities that they have done. Yeah, lots of coordinating different um, different partners and stakeholders. Uh, would you say that that's one of the main challenges was bringing everyone together in a cohesive way or would there be something else that you would point out? I think one key challenge that uh, there were several, of course, over the period, period of two years, one key challenge was definitely all the changes that were happening in the local innovation, local ecosystem, actually. So uh, Brexit was uh, being finalized around that process. So we didn't know how that would uh, affect many of the activities that Balfour was doing. COVID also came towards the end of the project. So this also affected the way uh, the focus that the council had at that point and shifted priorities internally. Um, there were also many changes uh, politically within Northern Ireland, which had an impact uh, and bringing all the stakeholders together on a common objective while all of these things in the surrounding and the background were changing was definitely uh, a big challenge uh, that we faced. But 
um, I think one thing that really helped there was uh, the motivation that the local stakeholders had, especially the organizations that went ahead to form the partnership had to make this a reality. So I think um, uh, it was a struggle uh, over the months for everyone, but I think um, it led to something very impactful. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And one small piece of advice for a city wanting to create a smart district. I think one thing that really um, played a big role in the success that Belfast had was um, or has is um, working with the local stakeholders. So they um, were really open to the whole process of talking to the stakeholders, listening to them. Um, some of the discussions and interviews were hard, were really tough because um, people were honest, um, also shared criticism. And I think uh, it was really important that um, the senior leadership, the, the different colleagues at the Belfast City Council were open to change there and were open to really uh, listening to the stakeholders and working together with the stakeholders. So I think that partnership element of the project was definitely uh, a key success factor for the project. And I would recommend um, all cities who want to work on this to also work on that aspect and not do it in isolation. Yeah, good advice from Nikita. And um, with that, I'll move on to Hector. Um, so what what is one of your favorite projects and who was involved? Well, um, as well as Nikita, was, this was a thought that I had to really think about. Um, but definitely I could say our most recent project together with the uh, Beasain uh, Municipality, basically what we're doing with them is in an initial stage, we are developing a vision and a set of objectives towards a smart mobility strategy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and can you dive a bit deeper, I guess, into uh, why do they need this in the first place? Why do you need this? Why do other cities need this? And um, what impact can you really create? Definitely. So uh, so this this idea, this ambition came to the to the council basically uh, due to the the big potential that they have locally uh, with their stakeholders. So Beasain is a uh, although uh, a small uh, city, but they have a really strong uh, industry oriented uh, to the mobility and transport sector. They have. Around 15 organizations uh, that are not only recognized in the Basque region, but also um, in Spain and European wide. So having this this potential locally in their city um, was definitely an asset that they wanted to take advantage of, and uh, so this is how they they came. Uh, they approached us and they told us about what they were envisioning. And together we, we formed this, um, this project idea in which we are going to, we are developing a vision and objectives to create sort of like a innovation hub for smart mobility. Yeah, exciting things coming out of there. And uh, what do you hope is the impact and what are really the limitations of that impact, do you think? So as the, the, the biggest outcome 
that we're expecting from this project is that the, all of these organizations can come together um, in order to really push forward uh, new forms of of, of research and development, um, the testing of new technologies in the city, um, and basically just put bad science name out there as a as a referent in in smart mobility um, limitations. Um, and the the re most recent workshop together with the stakeholders, we we were able to to map out several. But for instance, one of the the most present challenges um, is that they are lacking um, local talent, mm -hmm. and this is due to the fact that um, they are a, a small city, right? So it's it's sometimes hard for them to 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 lure. Uh, local and international talent to come uh to work in in Bassine. um not nonetheless um in the in the stakeholder group we have several um universities and um educational centers that will provide some some insights on how we they can upskill the the local talent and also provide uh better better conditions for internationals to to yeah build their competencies uh, locally in Bassein. Yeah, again, so key is the stakeholder engagement and um also great to hear from a small city as well that they can do it too, right? Um so now um Alex, uh what would you say is your top pick of projects that you want to talk about today? Well, we have heard from one in Northern Ireland, one in Spain. So I'm going to pick one uh, close by here in Germany, close to the city of Karlsruhe, a mid-sized city called Ettlingen. It was one of our first projects with a mid-sized city. And, you know, we started working only with a really big European one. So this was a really uh, interesting and fast-paced project. The issue was in the city center, very narrow street. It's an old city center. Um, the delivery vans just blocked the street and created a very bad air, very bad feeling also for the um, inhabitants there. So um, the city approached us. We met um, on a fair at the Intergeo and we decided, how can we tackle this issue? And we had several options on the table and in the end decided, together with a local transport partner and a regional company here to create a system based on uh, electric cargo bikes and bringing the parcels not directly into the homes but at more central stations so that the um, distribution problem would be less and why i love this project so much is within like 12 months we were not only um, able to design and get it started but we actually also found the right funding um, from the baden württemberg state and had it implemented in a pilot so it was super fast pace and impactful projects so that's why i like it a lot players there were just amazing when it came to decision speed and implementation speed yeah and what would you say contributes to that kind of speed can we always are there determining factors can we get that kind of you know fast implementations in other places or does it just vary um depending on the situational uh causes 
So that we have to admit there's always factors that we cannot influence, right? So if, uh, you know, one of the next stages of the project would have been to scale it up to other places and then COVID uh, came along, which put a, which put a restriction to the, uh, to the abilities um, to move forward. So um, there is things that you can influence and things that you, you cannot. Huh? So having a, the things that you can influence is having a joint target. Um, with within the whole partnership, which is I think the important starting point, um, creating milestones, um, having the funding secured and the roles divided very much at the beginning, um, and then execute. Uh, and uh, if you then have people on board um, that uh, you know go through challenges as a challenge, uh, don't see problems, just see challenges to be solved and uh, go through those challenges very quickly. Then you have a great project with quick implementation. Again, not everywhere you can have that because it's, um, you know, not all the circumstances you can control. That's part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree also. And what would you say out of all those challenges was the biggest challenge? Well, the good thing is, um, this is why I left the project so much, that, that in the end we solved all of them, uh, right? So there was not a um, um, thing that, you know, the you have to give credit basically to the city of Ettlingen where they just said, you know, we are going to do this. So this is not an option for us. We want to do this. This is a problem we want to solve. We want to solve it quickly. Um, and now let's go. And from that basically onwards, everything was, was set. The mayor was personally involved uh, into just saying, you know, we are going to do this and we're going to do this fast. And then it happened. Leaving it on that note as um, a lot of inspiration, hopefully, for cities who have challenges and can just, um, yeah, there will be challenges. And uh, yeah, let's push through them and get it done, as Alex said. So, um, so yeah, thank you all for sharing uh, about these projects. Um, now we will roll right into uh, a segment of ours uh, called Hot Take of the Day. Hot take of the day. We want to hear an opinion of yours that may be slightly controversial or debated. Um, now, I think it's only right that we put Alex on the hot seat, if you all agree. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yes, we will say, Alex, what is your hot take of the day? Okay, yeah, well, thanks, um, Tamon. Um, you know, I took something that has also very uh, local um, repercussions. Uh, we sit here in the city center of Stuttgart, home of the automobile, birthplace of the automobile. And I join a lot of discussions nationally and internationally on the future of the car, of the automobile. And uh, my hot take um, on, uh, on this is that there is a future um, for... Um, for cars um, in a very sustainable world, in a green world, in the smart cities of the of the future, that we will still see personal um, uh, vehicles um, built in uh, in Europe in our future places, and that we also want those uh, things that we actually um, keep our freedoms of movements, and that you know the generations to come um, can also move flexibly and freely um, across our countries. Does anyone want to debate that hot take? <laughs> Put Alex on the spot. 
<laughs> Everyone agrees. <laughs> oh, Nikita. I can count on Nikita to um, have a fruitful discussion with Alex. <laughs> so I, I saw Shannon was also adding there. So I, um, I I keep it short and then let Shannon add there. I actually thought uh, Shannon is a good motivation there to, to see how you can think beyond cars to see how, uh, you know, you even when you're staying out of the city to actually do mobility better without cars. I think the electric bike with which she brings uh, Autumn, uh, um, uh, our office dog, also all the way from a hill in Esslingen to the Stuttgart city center and goes back and forth shows that uh, when you choose to, um, yeah, when you choose to prefer um, other means of transport, you can make it work. So um, while there might still be some forms of uh, personal mobility, I do think that um, we need to be more creative in finding different forms of personal mobility than um, uh, yeah, fossil fuel powered cars uh, and also which are end-to-end -end sustainable, right? Not just um, other materials which are um, bringing in other problems there. So I do think that if we rethink mobility, personal mobility completely, not having too many personal cars means that we would restrict movement of people and uh, yeah, everything else that meeting and collaborating with other people brings in. So I do think that there is a future where we might not have cars the way we see them now, uh, the kind of cars we have now, also the level of dependence we have on personal mobility, which is far, uh, fueled by fossil fuels at this stage. And um, hopefully my my new tweezy um, fits into that category of creative modes of transport, um, living out in the village. So um, uh, my little two-seater electric, um, you can't really call it a car, but uh, it goes 80 kilometers um, an hour. So uh, that's one creative <laughs> way that I'm um, tackling this challenge. Um, so, uh, oh, Shannon, did you want to add anything to that or... Nikita yeah. said it well. I think Nikita yeah. said it great, you know, but just to kind of sum up, I think we can't, I don't know if any of us have something to debate with Alex because there's a role for all of this, right? Like there, it's just the way that we use cars might be different. I mean, personally, I really enjoy going through cities that, you know, have said, hey, we're not going to have cars in our city center, but we're going to find other ways to make sure people can get around. And that includes all people. So people with limited mobility for whatever reason, whether it's temporary or permanent for them. And so I think that's also where we still see the role of, you know, private vehicles, you know, especially in cases like that to make sure we have inclusive mobility systems. But how can we also as much as possible give other options and also, you know, uniformly across the board. So personally looking very forward to adding an e-cargo bike to my bike fleet in the near future. Uh, so that's one thing that's pretty cool, the cities that subsidize technologies like that. And I think we'll continue to see more innovative schemes um, supporting people individually as they move around to also take advantage um, and have it be economically advantageous, not just environmentally advantageous. Yeah, absolutely. And Germany, I don't know if it's Germany, why just added a, um, over the summer, they're doing uh, tickets for nine euros per month or something like that, which um, I think is amazing. So, um, so now we are going into our recurring question. Um, so it's a question that we ask every guest and uh, I'm always quite interested to hear everyone's um, different takes. However, we are going to put a little twist on it today um, since we have a completely different setup than usual. Um, so this question, by the way, is what is a smart city? Um, so you all probably have very nice answers for that. 
as we have to say this quite frequently in our work, what it is, um, although it's quite complicated. <laughs> um, but since we are a team and we complement each other and build upon each other's work, at least ideally, <laughs> the vast majority of the time, um, instead of each person giving one answer, we're going to go in a round style. So... Alex, you're going to start with one sentence or phrase, and then we will go in a circle and build upon his answer. Um, and yeah, let's see what we get in the end. Um, so we will go in this order. So it will be Alex, Hector, Shannon, and then Nikita. So are we ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Um, Alex, please start us off. Happily. Um, so I recorded a, a question and Nikita and I did about six years ago where we asked 37 municipal employees in the topic of smart city what their definition of smart cities are. And we got 35 different answers. All right. Well, with that, um, I would say we can build up a Babel definition out of these uh, 38 answers. Um, a smart city um, is a small or large urban area that provides technologies to both their citizens and uh, local stakeholders to build a connected, sustainable um, and safe um, city. And smart cities are connected not just in terms of technologies, but also in terms of people and places. And they're with the goal to achieve bigger ambitions that the city has, such as climate neutrality, economic development, and so on. So everything that you do towards achieving much bigger ambitions of the city. And uh, they achieve that by using data um, for the benefit of their stakeholders. I think that's a perfect answer now. <laughs> all right. Don't want to ruin it. <laughs> we will leave it at that then. Thank you all. And, you know, I realized also um, we spoke about all these different projects going on um, that we've that we participated in, that we've had amazing partners in and collaborated on. Um, and there's also one, at least one big piece, I think, missing from this. And it's been the development of the platform, which really brings together a lot of these different people um, in a digital form. And uh, yeah, so can you, Alex, can you speak a bit about uh, that transformation, kind of looking back at the last five years? Well, yeah, a lot has happened since, you know, uh, uh, Nikita, we drew some uh, pieces of paper on a wall and uh, our colleague Patrick tried to digitalize them into a platform, right? So there's a, a lot and a lot uh, have happened. But, you know, the fun part is that the mission and what we are doing is uh, stayed the same since the beginning. So um, bringing together the knowledge of all the practitioners uh, all across Europe, things they have been uh, doing, the things that are doing and the things they are still planning to do on one central platform to um, exchange um, these information and then you know start their their next project that has all been the same. The size is just uh, mesmerizing, right? So we we started that off with a handful of uh, well-intentioned people, and now we are thirty uh, people in uh, three different core markets, four different offices, um, lots of success, over two billion euro in projects. Um, uh, supported. So this, I think, um, the amazing thing is that we stay true to what we were planning to do. We're just doing it bigger and 
better, I think, um, uh, for, and, and that's, you know, continuously evolving every day. Yeah, great. Maybe Nikita can also add to um, her experience with that paper on the wall. Um. <laughs> yeah, I I just got off the call with uh, one of the people who was in the room when Babel was launched. So with Nathan Pierce uh, uh, just um, a few minutes ago. And it was interesting to tell him how we've grown from, from that day to today, five years later. And um, it made me realize that while there were several questions that we were asked when we started off, not knowing whether such an open place for sharing knowledge and information would work, to seeing where we are today with so many different cities on the platform who believe in the purpose, who are uh, working, helping us actually in growing the platform. Um, it's amazing to see how the market has grown, but also how um all the partners that we work have also, uh, you know, realized the purpose that we have and are coming with us, collaborating with us in this whole journey. So it has been amazing to see the growth uh, in everything that we have been doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm really excited for the next five years. Um, and let's leave it at that. And with that being said, I want to take the time to thank you all for uh, spending it with me today. And to all of our listeners, don't forget, you can always create a free account on the platform that we just spoke about, bobble-smartcities.eu, to find out more about smart city projects, um, solutions, implementations, use cases, and more. Uh, so, yeah. Thank you all for listening. I'll see you at the next stop on the journey to a better urban life. Um, I think Alex will do the honors. Are we done now? Can we? We're done. We're just so done. Yeah, thank you. We're not great at all.